Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. Grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. Good morning and happy November. Happy, I guess you could say happy El Dia de los Muertos. Happy Day of the Dead or All Saints Day. This is the day between Halloween and today where the veil is the very thinnest and we are able to honor our our uh, loved ones that have passed over and in true Hickox family style we have done that in terms of setting up altars with pictures and candles and uh, of course part of it is that um, my daughter married a Hispanic man initially and they had four children so there's a, a crossover between, in our own family, we've even adopted some of the more Hispanic traditions. So El Dia de los Muertos is a part of that and all of the little sugar skull masks and what have you. So uh, we kind of have fun with all of that. And uh, of course, it's a time for us to honor our ancestors and all of our family uh, here and not here in the physical. So I hope everybody's able to do that in some way. Um, you know, where I live, I get very few trick-or-treaters. I only had two of them, and they happened to be my neighbors, and we asked them to come over. So I guess that's not really trick-or-treating if you ask them to come over. <laughs> but but that's how we spent Halloween, was watching scary movies and uh, talking to two of the kids that, that live around here. Um, I hope everybody else, though, had a wonderful time last night, and uh I am uh, so sorry about Friday. Friday, I don't know what. The power in this place just sort of went. I mean, like we can send rovers to Mars. We are prepared to send people to Mars, but we can't keep the electricity on. Uh, and it cracks me up, right? A small uh, tree or limb from a tree hits a power line and boom, out go the lights, right? Uh, so, good morning to everybody. Tom, hello. Feliz Dia de los Muertes. I love it. Andy girl, good morning. Tom says love and gratitude to our ancestors. Angie Witzel, hello, stranger. I swear, Angie, you tend to pop up in my realm after I've been thinking about you. I would love to have a conversation with you if you're open to it. Um, not necessarily on air here, but uh, I'll text you after the broadcast this morning. I just want to pick your brain about a couple of things. Good morning, Corey. Kathleen Mallory, good morning and good hearts. Christine Buckingham, good morning. Pam Zaruba, good morning to you. And I know I missed people up here earlier. Uh, J-Lo, good morning. And I thought I saw Debbie. There you are, Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. Great to see you. And by the way, I have to thank uh, the three of you, Debbie, J-Lo, Tom, and anybody else, by the way, because I don't know who all did, uh, but for holding down the fort while I wasn't able to be on air. So I think Tom shared the Pleiadian Earth calendar, J-Lo, maybe some cards, Debbie, some cards, whatever it was that you all did. Thank you so much. That is great that you, we can be self-sufficient. <clears throat> and it made me realize that I kind of missed the concept of Zoom where we could actually appear together each morning. Um, if any of you ever decide that you would like to share a right seat with me, let me know because I can send the StreamYard um, link and you can join as well. That's how I do it with Pia and Colin. I just share with them the link that we're going to be using that day and then they show up here with me. So if you ever want to do that, 
just for fun, maybe to change things up a bit. Uh, I am totally open to that. And you can share whatever it is that you want to share, cards or some other kind of, of information. Um, cool rocks. Good morning, Val Joslyn. Good morning. So uh, here we are at the beginning of a new month, which means I have quite a bit of information to share with you. And on top of that, it happens to be a week that has a lot of energy. We are um, sitting here with the potential of a new moon that has a lot of craziness with it coming on Thursday. Then we have Friday where two planets, both Venus and Mercury are changing signs, Venus into Capricorn and Mercury into Scorpio. Then we also have a Mercury square Pluto and we have a, a Venus and Mercury in a sextile. And that, that particular um, aspect, Venus and Mercury coming together in a sextile is literally the only salve we have for the new moon, right? That's already building up as we get to the new moon. Um, but the sun and the moon will be in an exact opposition, almost, I mean, like within seven seconds of an exact opposition to the planet Uranus during the new moon on Thursday. Um, so we have the potential for some excitement, for some shocking things or some revelation type energy to come through with this new moon. And by the way, this isn't like the first new moon that we've had this interaction with Uranus. So we might want to take a look a little bit deeper at that. And then Venus moving into Capricorn. This is huge because Venus is preparing for her retrograde station. So she won't retrograde until December, but she is retrograding in the sign of Capricorn. So she will spend an elongated amount of time in Capricorn energy. So look to the Capricorn part of your chart and get um, familiar with what the things are in that house that are affected because Venus represents our values, our relationships, our finances, and she's moving into a sign that is ruled by Saturn. So we have duty, form, structure, responsibility now added to our values and our money and our relationships and for an extended period of time. In fact, I believe she does not leave Capricorn until maybe February or March of 2022. So we have like four or five months of this particular kind of energy with Venus. And as she is an inner planet, she has direct effect on you personally. So when I'm talking about your personal relationships, then your personal finances, your personal values and principles, your personal integrity, your personal need to be responsible, to do your due diligence, to build forms and structures that support your values and your relationships. So it's kind of a, it's, it's not a, a difficult time to be sure, but it is a time for us to really get clarity about what it is that uh, we really want and who it is that we really want to do those things with. Where do we want to go? Who do we want to be? All of that. So over the course of time, that will be revealed. But when Venus turns into her retrograde, everything that we think we value comes up for re-evaluation, re-evaluation. So we have a period of time then when she's retrograde, to be able to look inward, to see, am I really moving in a direction of what I value, of what I love? Venus is also the love principle. And if you are not moving in the direction that you love, then it begs the question, why not? What's holding you back? What um, 
what do you need to to change in order to move toward what you love and it may not even just it might not even be about the doing it could be about the being who do i want to be right do i want to be in struggle and strife and upset or do i want to be in peace and harmony and love in my relationships in my finances in my health even can come into this with uh, Saturn that rules the form and the structure. So form and structure is your body. So we have a lot of work ahead of us, I think, but it's not necessarily negative work. It might be something where our goals that we have come into more clarity for us because we have the time to really go introspective with them and take a look at what's happening. So that's coming up. And Venus spending a long time in any sign, any planet spending a long time in any sign gives us an opportunity to really evaluate where we are with that energy. So you have the sign, the sign of Capricorn, but then it's in a house. So where whatever house it is in, Capricorn is in, in your chart is the area of your life that will have that extended opportunity for reevaluation. So I know that doesn't sound very sexy, but it's very workable. I mean, if you want to get to the nitty gritty of something, have Venus in um, Capricorn, right? Um, or Mars in Capricorn. So we've got that to talk about. We also have today the moon in Virgo moving into the void at 10 a.m. my time. So 11, 12, 1 p.m. for those of you on the East Coast. So if you have stuff to get done, if you want to use that Virgo energy of of action, efficiency, of organization, get it done early in the day, because after that, she'll be in the void uh, until 4.11 p.m. my time, 7.11, <laughs> great, 7.11 for those of you on the East Coast, and then the moon will move into Libra. So considering that we just talked about Venus, the planet that rules Libra, making a big change on Friday, then this next couple of days from later today through let's see the the moon will be in libra up until uh late afternoon early evening on wednesday yeah wednesday well 10 8 53 p.m my time so that's 11 53 p.m for those of you on the east coast when uh it moves into scorpio preparing for the new phase right so we have a period of time these few next days to really take a look deeper at what it is that you value. Are you aligned with that? Are you happy in your relationships, et cetera? So lots of really good things for us to look at. Now, I wanna show you something. I think um, you, most of you have been with me for a while and you've been seeing uh, the human design chart with the designation of the astrological sign that the moon is going to be in. But now I'm gonna show you a new kind of chart that I, initially, I, I think I shared the chart with you, but I I know it's confusing. So I wanted to make sure you guys got comfortable with the idea of the chart being um, uh, aligned with astrology. So now let me share my, well, I can't share my screen till I know what it is I'm going to share. So one moment here while I pull that up. And this is going to be, let's see, what is that picture of? Nope, that is not it because I put it into pictures, astro design, there we go. Okay, now I'm gonna share my screen with all of you. Now, for those of you who are familiar with a genetic matrix, this might not seem so odd to you, but for those of you who are new to 
uh, astro design, which is astrology and human design, this may be a little confusing. So in the middle here, this is actually called a mandala, right? So it is the uh, human design mandala. In the middle, what you see is the human design chart. And everything that you see here in red is where the um, sun, or excuse me, the moon will be uh, as she moves through Libra. So all of these energies are Libran gates, where you see the black uh, gates. This is where she is today uh, through the rest of the day today in late Virgo. Now on the outer part of this wheel here, you see all of the different gates. They're not necessarily in order, right? Because this doesn't move one through 64. It sort of jumps around through the signs. But as I uh, click on a gate, it will open up in the sign that it is aligned with. So here you see all of these Libra gates, right? In the sign of Libra. And then you see one gate that is aligned between Virgo, late Virgo and early Libra. And then you see the last two uh, Virgo gates that the moon will hit today. So when we look at a chart aligned this way, you get a both a graphic of the astrology of the day as well as the human design of the day. So uh, let me know if this is confusing for you, because if it is, I'll do some more explaining, but you're gonna see me use this kind of chart more frequently because now you have something visual to connect both the astrology and the human design, okay? We've done them separately so that you could get an idea of who they are separate, but now you get to see who they are together. Now, let's look at the body graph here in the middle, because this is the energy of the day, pretty much. We start out with the moon at the gate 47, which is an interesting gate, because it is a gate called thinking or a mindset. And the mindset here with the moon is about how our thinking, our thoughts, can trigger the emotion, or how an emotion that we feel can trigger a thought. So the idea in the mind here, this is the Ajna, so it's the, the mind, the part of ourselves, the thinking, calculating, analyzing, etc. part of the minds. And in this particular gate, we can get caught up in stinking thinking. And that is a, a process through which we have to recognize our thoughts are creating our reality. And if we are wanting to really take on the mantle of co-creator, then we have to really take a look at what is it we're creating by what it is that we're thinking about. And in that particular gate, sometimes we can get attached to dogmas and to thoughts and processes of thoughts, ways of thinking. And a lot of that depends on how your own Ajna is defined. Is it, is it defined? Is it green? It would be kind of looking like this. It would have some kind of connection to either the head or the throat center, or is it open? If you have an open mind, then you are often picking up the thoughts and the thinking processes of the people around you. If you have it defined, you have your own defined way of thinking. Then the 47 comes along with the moon, and now we're linking the emotions to what you're thinking. And maybe you find or you discover today in some way that you have a, a defined way of thinking about what you are feeling. And if you have an open emotional center on top of that, you're thinking about feelings that may not even be your own. If you have a defined emotional center, then the thought processes might be about how do I respond 
to what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking instead of how do I react to those things, right? Or maybe you want to look at what are my reactions so that I can become more response able. So the 47 is jam packed with a lot of really kind of good stuff. And then the six will be the last gate that, uh, no, the, the six will be the last full gate that the, the, the sign that's in the sign of Virgo. It's a gate of impact. Boom, right? This is a gate that breaks into other people's auras. So all of us today are going to have the effect of being able to bust into the auras of the people around us. That makes us have to be even more response able because this is one of the most powerful gates in the emotional solar plexus. And it is a gate of love. Primarily, it's a gate of love. This is a gate that so wants that intimate connection. That, that energy of being together with somebody and loving, but it can also be the gate of war, right? Hell, hell hath no fury um, kind of energy. So if you're feeling like you're being marginalized or you're not included or you're not loved or that, you know, the more that you reach out to be loved, the less love you're receiving, this is going to be a more war-like response than a more loving-like response. So we get to take that in today as well. And then lastly, before, just so this will be at the crux of the time when we are changing from the moon in Virgo to the moon in Libra, we'll be at the gate 46, which is a gate that is one of the love gates. This is on the center for love and direction. And that gate 46 is called the gate of the love of being in the physical or embodiment, right? This is the love of embodiment. So loving being in a physical body and being in the physical realm. So all of us are here in this physical realm, by the way, to be in our bodies, right? You came here in a body to be in your body. Um, not that we can't be connected to spirit. We are here to feel the connection to our spirit or to God or source, however you want to name it. Um, but being in the physical body. So we're moving through the physical realm with our connection to our spirit but we're meant to be in the love, the embodiment of life, right? Being here in our bodies. So we'll have that before we shift from the gate of love here, of love of the embodiment into then what becomes all of the gates on the spleen. Again, right? It's not like we, we're not quite done with the, the spleen, <laughs> but now we're going backwards a step here. And the moon now taking us through the journey that the sun took us through, um, while he was in Libra and the same journey that Mercury and Mars and Venus took us through uh, since August when all of they, those planets were moving through Libra. And here we have it again, the moon sort of batting cleanup here, taking us through um, sort of the debris, if you will, cleaning up the debris field of all the fears and the shadows that we've had to deal with over the last several months, actually since about August 19th. So we've been through a lot. We, it might feel like we have been in this dark tunnel or this, you know, long stretch of time where we've been dealing with the dark or dealing with, or seeing the results of the dark, uh, the shadow or our fears, uh, in our lives, but that is coming to a close. Eventually after November 12th, we're in the clear of this. Uh, we won't have to deal with this again until March, but then we'll be dealing it, with it through the earth instead of through the sun. 
and Mercury, Venus, and Mars. So it'll be different when we get to, to March. So right now we're moving through the last vestiges of our shadows and preparing with the new moon even this week to fly, right? To move, to do, expand into, or to use the energy of change for something good, for some changing. All right, questions. I'm going to stop sharing my screen for a second so because I, I can't see the chat when I'm sharing my screen and see how everybody else is doing with this. Um, I got to go back a bit, apparently. Uh, okay, okay, back, back, back. Uh, Angie says, wow, spot on for me. I think that was in relation to Venus and Capricorn getting aligned with our values. JLo, I have Saturn natal in the second, nothing in the eighth, so free to reevaluate all. Don't forget when you look at a house in your chart that doesn't have any planets in it, you look to the ruler, the ruling planet of the sign that is sitting there. So if you have Capricorn, then um, let's say maybe Capricorn might be in your eighth house. Uh, so Capricorn's ruler is Saturn. And if you have Saturn natal in the second house, then this whole idea of sharing of resources becoming sustainable in your resources this whole Venus and Capricorn transit will take on a more financial um, picture for you, maybe ways checking into your investments because that's an eighth house thing, but checking also how much money you're earning and spending. That's a second house thing. So I hope that makes sense for you, JLo. And, you know, for some of you, you may not have a lot going on in Capricorn. Uh, I happen to have my natal Saturn in Capricorn. So my Venus and Capricorn is going to be hitting everything that is in my uh, that my Saturn has just dealt with through my Saturn return from 2020 to 2021. So interesting, right? So we have to look at everything, not just, you know, that one slice. We got to kind of draw a picture of how all of it fits together. Um, Kathleen Mallory says, I have Venus and Cancer in the eighth house. We don't care about that at the moment. What we want to know is where Capricorn is. So if, well, actually we do care in your case. Let me take that back, swim that back. Because if you have Venus in Cancer, Cancer is the opposite sign of Capricorn. So Venus is going to be coming into an opposition someplace with your natal Venus, which means that you are having to solve the, a dilemma perhaps or a conundrum in your values, right? Or in how you see the world through your Cancer and Capricorn energies, the energies of nurturing and mothering and caring and the nurturies, uh, nurturing and or the wider world energies, authoritarian or authoritative, goodness, and energies of Capricorn. So there you have that. Uh, Jody, good morning to you. She says, wow, I have a Libra moon also. So you're going to be having a lunar return, if you will. Uh, during these next couple of days. Kamal, great to see you. Christine says, I have Capricorn in Mars, ninth house natal. You have Capricorn in Mars. So now your Venus comes to that Mars in the next several weeks. And I don't know, you said ninth house. So it will be about focusing on how you want to expand. How do you want to grow? The ninth house is about your philosophies, your beliefs. Mars in Capricorn is a little more militant, a little more um, disciplined in its belief systems. And maybe what you'll be checking out, Christine, is whether that discipline is serving you or not serving you, right? That's the key, right? Is it serving you or not? If it is, 
great, keep doing what you're doing. But if it's gotten too focused in or too, too disciplined, um, maybe Venus coming along says, well, let's get a little more creative. Let's change it up a bit. Let's see what else is possible. Uh, JLo, love it. Pam says, love this. Tammy, good morning to you, sweetie. She says, that is awesome. I love that chart. Uh, I really love that chart. So if you guys start to see that chart more often, don't be surprised because it's one that I think encapsulates everything that I'm doing to blend these things together. And Pam says, stinking thinking. Uh, <laughs> whoops, I think I passed the set the thing, but where did it go? Uh, stinking thinking, open emotions. Yes. So I don't want to say that anybody who has the 47 gets caught up in stinking thinking. I think that it's possible that all of us with the moon coming into that gate have the opportunity to look at how does our thinking undermine our ability to shine, to um, unearth our gifts, to actually live from our gifts, right? So I, I'm not, it, it's not that I want to say that the 47 causes us to go into that, that shadowy, stinky energy, um, mindset energy that can get us caught up. But it does afford us the opportunity to look at or have an epiphany about a revelation of what our thinking has been doing to us, right? How it's been holding us back, maybe how it has been serving us. Maybe that's what you recognize as well. My mind is really my friend instead of my mind has got me all caught up. Um, so take a look at that. That's the thing, right? Uh, Ursula, good morning. She says, I have a conscious gate 59.3 in Uranus that can now connect with gate six. What does that mean? So now by transit, you are going to have the moon in a very short period of time so a very short period of time, connect up that whole channel. Uh, what I always think the 59.6 is about fertility. It's about the ability to feel that loving energy that, <clears throat> and love energy is creative. It is part of our relationships. It's sexual even, if, if that's the way that that wants to come up and be expressed. It's intimacy. It's being able to share from our very depths with another person, with even with ourselves, our soul to human connection. So it gives you this opportunity then in a way to have some kind of revelatory experience, Ursula. The And by the way, the moon is going to move through here once a month, right? This is a monthly sort of thing. It's not a different planet that's coming here that's going to stick there for a while. This is the moon. So every month the moon is moving through this part of your chart. And it's going to open up this pathway of intimacy. And you may be able to see how you bond and how or how um, your aura attracts people to you that um, are perfect for what you're learning right now. Right. So that's another use of that energy. And Christine has the same. She says, uh, Carol Grojean, good morning. Thank God for the energy of change. <laughs> Angie, I am ready to move forward. It has been rough since August. Tell me about it, honey. Tell me about it. Carol says, I think Capricorn is my opposite. It is because you are a cancer, Carol. It means, so let's talk about that. Opposites. What does that mean to have opposites? So we are all a sign. You are all, you all have the sun in some sign. We're going to use cancer right now because we had Carol. We have, um, well, because Capricorn is going to be a big deal for us over the next few weeks. So, or several weeks, several months. Um, so let's look at that. In your astrology chart, find where the sun is. You'll know what the sun is because you're a Gemini, you're a Cancer, you're a Leo, you're a, a whatever you are. And then 
find the opposite sign directly opposing, for example, Cancer is the sign of Capricorn. Directly opposing Leo is Aquarius, opposing Gemini is Sag, and opposing Taurus is Scorpio, etc., etc. And all of our um, energies are not just from the sign that the sun is in. We're drawing in from the opposing sign as well. And what we end up drawing in often from the opposing sign is the more shadowy energies, right? The things that might be stopping us from claiming the full-on sun in the sign that we are in. So if you're a cancer and the sun is in cancer for you, the force of your personality, of your life will be about mothering, about nurturing, about healing perhaps, about taking care, about emotional intelligence, right? About your soul's connection to emotions. But what might get in the way are some of the more negative aspects of the Capricorn um, side of things, which is very much less emotional, right? It's not emotional. In fact, Capricorn um, is often going to express the negative emotional energy of of cancer because it's the opposite. So Capricorn might mean that you're too caught up in your what you think the world wants to see from you rather than what's really nurturing to oneself. Um, you might get caught up in the worldliness instead of the homeness of cancer. So I hope that makes sense, right? We're pulling in sometimes the traits from the opposite side. When you think of cancer and um, Capricorn, <clears throat> cancer is often the mother while Capricorn is the father. The mother in the uh, sign of cancer because it's the sign of nurturing, teaching, feeding, clothing, caring for, teaching like from, you know, birth, what are the values of the tribe, et cetera, et cetera, right? Capricorn is the father, the more disciplinarian, the authoritative one. And I'm not talking gender roles here, but I'm talking about the bigger energy, the energy that we think of as masculine or fatherly or um, the one who has the authority in the family typically has been in the past, the father. Now, those are roles that have changed, but the energy itself of Capricorn is more authoritarian, more authoritative and the energy. So it's more fatherly. It's more responsible, duty bound, etc. where cancer is more of the let me care for you. Right. Let me feed you, clothe you, heal you, kiss your boo-boos, etc. So we have this opposition and what cancer son is going to have to deal with is sometimes some of the more negative expressions, maybe not wanting to feel that closeness, maybe, you know, kind of at first rejecting the role of mother or even harder is not having a good role model in your life of what it means to be a mother or what it means to be mothering. And then that can, you know, um, kind of cause you to have to be challenged a little bit to express the energies of the sun. So is all that making sense to you, you guys? Just tell me in the in the chat real quick. So all of you, you know, that was just Cancer Capricorn, but all of you have an opposing sign. And all of you then sometimes are going to deal with the shadowy energy coming up from the opposite sign of your sun. And then if you have planets in that opposite sign, it might even become more complex in terms of how you express that energy or of how you have to learn to live the sun in your chart. Um, okay, Andy girl, Capricorn is my sixth house with Neptune and Saturn. I would bet you are going to have some work to do with healing. 
of the physical body or creating a, a better working environment, surrounding yourself with people that really are in alignment with who you are, even cleaning up the environment that you work in, who you surround yourself by, etc., or even literal healing on the body. Gala, hi, with Mars and Moon in Capricorn in in the is it it's pretty good. Um, I think it could be pretty good. I think it might be some difficulty at times, right? As you're dealing with a lot of, of uh, emotional energy in a sign that likes to protect itself from emotional energy. So you might've had to learn how to really deal with expressing emotion. How do I respond versus react in emotional situations? That kind of thing. Kathleen Mallory, thank you so awesome to get the scoop. <laughs> I love hanging out with you too. Uh, Angie says, okay, what I missed there. Makes sense. Tyler Lynn, good morning. Um, blessings and happy November 1st to you as well. Irene Albert joining us from Sweden. Oh yes, it makes so much sense. I have my son in cancer. Jacqueline, I thought that might be you. So good to see you. Natasha, that makes sense how sometimes it's easier to take care of those outside my house than inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, by the way, it doesn't mean that you're not meant to take care of those inside or outside. It just means that you have to balance, right? Everything in an opposition is about how do I come to this balance point? How do I bring it in? Um, good to see you, Natasha. And Kathleen says, yes, it makes sense. And the Capricorn shadows my cancer sun sign. That's right. You're also a cancer sun. So interesting that we picked cancer this morning to do that with. Uh, Elsa, good morning. Uh, she says she ha has moon in Taurus in the eighth house in opposition to sun in Scorpio in the second house and has Jupiter and uh, Saturn both in Capricorn in the fourth house and Mars in Cancer in the 10th. I just, ha I have just a position across, juxtaposition maybe, uh, cross of alertness, the 4424. Hey, that brings us to today, right? To the week, this week, today, the uh, in human design, the sun and the earth have moved into the 4424, which means that earth is in a conjunction to Uranus, which is also at the gate 24. Now, that was something we would have talked about on Friday, had it not been for the electrical uh, outage I had. So Uranus had been sitting in the gate too, which is a gate about teaching us about allowing, receiving, right? Being receptive, being open-armed, right? To receive the bounty from the universe or to receive input from others, uh, to receiving all the good that's there for us. Now, the gate 24 is a completely different animal. It's up here on the Ajna leading up to the, um, the head center and it is a gate in quantum human design that we call the gate of blessings and it's a gate i absolutely love so right now for all of the work that you guys have done going through your shadows whether you think you've success been successful at it or not you have right the fact that you were willing to look at the shadow to embrace it to love it uh, means that you've done the work now the blessings come rolling in, not only because of the earth being at the gate of blessings, but Uranus's presence there also means that there might be surprises or some uh, revelations or some aha moments that are ready to come in. And it isn't rational, even though the gate 24, where Uranus and the earth are going to sit, are sitting at least for this week, Uranus will be there for a longer period of time, um, wants to be rational. We cannot use rationality always to uh, solve problems in our lives. 
we have to sometimes be willing to open up and surrender to other ways that information can come in, right? So the opposite gate of 24 is the 61, which is the gate of wonder and awe. And I'm so excited. I, I can't believe that this happened. Remember my experience I told you about on Friday morning in the brief time that I was on air uh, about um, having the conversation with my deceased son as I was walking on uh, that, uh, let's see, it was the Wednesday before. And it was so amazing to me that I could so easily do that. And it wasn't rational. Even as I was sharing it with you guys on Friday, I'm thinking to myself, they're going to think I'm crazy because to talk about it out loud sounded crazy. But when we try to deal with things from the rational mind, things will sound crazy. Instead, tap into the wonder and the awe and the pure blessings of it. Break out of your old stories of rationality right? Get into the irrational. And I don't mean irrational, like go out and just, you know, blow up your life. That, that isn't it either. This is really just being willing to receive from the space of awe and being in wonder, being so sort of childlike in your, wow, this happens. Um, this is possible. I wonder what more is possible and keep opening up to the blessings that life wants you to have right? We are not here to suffer. That is a choice we make. We are here to struggle at times. Definitely. There is a gate of struggle in your human design, but there isn't one of suffering. So we're not meant to suffer. We're meant to take it in and look for the magic in it. And when we can get to the magic in it, we can change the story. So the gate 24 sometimes can have, get caught up in a story of rationalizing what happens and instead break out of that, break out of that. That's this week. The sun this week will be at the gate 44, which is the last, thank you very much, of the spleen gates that the sun will be in. So from, let's see, yesterday, Halloween until November 4th, the new moon, we are in that energy of the 44, the last of the fear gates. And what is the fear in the 44? It's that the past might repeat itself. So we start to look at the world through the stories that we tell. And if we look at the stories that we tell, they're not often, um, so the story that we tell might be, yes, this, this happened to me and it was terrible and I felt crappy and it took me months to get over it and I don't know that I'm over it yet. A new story might be, a new telling of the story might be, this happened to me and yes, it was lousy, but when I started looking at all of the good that came from what happened... Uh, I saw that there was a magic involved in it, right? And even though it was a tragedy and even though it wasn't fun to go through, I can now see the blessings in the experience, right? I met new people. I expanded my life. I healed something old that I'd had. So we get an opportunity then with the human design energy of this week to retell the story, right? To look at the story. What story are you telling? But also the 44 is about the excess baggage that we carry. So the baggage is also in the story. So what do we want to release? The fear is that the patterns that I see developing are going to repeat. And uh, I see this sometimes happening in my own life, especially when I'm noticing a planet in a return. So for example, we have Saturn returns. We have well, all the planets return. And a return is basically the time that it takes for the, the planet to move from where it is in your chart to where it is in your chart again. So for the sun, that happens every 12 months, right? You have a birthday. 
uh, for Venus and Mars and Mercury and all of the planets, they have a return cycle as well. So if you're noticing, if you're aware of what the return cycle is, and you look backwards to what happened the last time, say a Jupiter return occurred, you might be filled with a little bit of terror because, oh my gosh, that was the time I lost my job, or that was the time I uh, got a divorce. And you begin to then unpack the baggage from that previous cycle and then start to expect or look for evidence of that story unveiling again in that same way, rather than, right, looking at it this way, Jupiter's cycle, by the way, is 12 and a half years or so, 13, let's say 12, just for ease. So 12 years ago, I got it, I had this divorce and now, oh my gosh, Jupiter's coming back to the same sign. Maybe I've remarried since. Does that mean I'm headed for another divorce or am I headed for the same things? Now I'm looking for the signs of what that means. In a new way, I could say, ah, 12 years ago, when Jupiter was moving through Aquarius, I got a divorce. And look at all the good things that have happened to me since that divorce. Yes, it was terrible in the beginning, and there was a lot of fighting, and there was a lot of upset, and there was a lot of dealing with, you know, negativity. But I came through that, and I am now stronger, wiser, and I have a better foundation under me. And I'm going to greet this next chapter with openness, right? That's the better use of this energy, right? Take the, the past stories and open it up to what more is possible, right? What did I learn? How has it impacted my life in the positive? So that I'm not being predictive in that, oh, last time this happened, it was this, and now I'm seeing the signs. And I think that that's going to happen again, or something bad is coming. And that is the wrong use of the energy of the gate 44. Now in the gene keys, the gate 44 takes on an even more interesting quality called synarchy. And synarchy is a new way of governing ourselves as time goes on. Right now, everything in our world is about a hierarchy, right? We have the president and everybody down below, or we have the head of a corporation and everybody down below. You have the head of a family and everybody down below, right? A pecking order, if you will. And we've lived our, we've, we've organized our societies, our cultures around this idea of hierarchy. And that is, if we want to grow and evolve and become uh, co-creators in our world, collaborators in our world, to really carry the mantle of that um, group coming together in new and positive ways, then we have to embrace synarchy, which is together we lead. And together we value everybody's voice. Together we value everybody's input, right? We don't say you're wrong because you're a Republican and you're, or you're wrong because you're a Democrat. That keeps us in this hierarchy. Instead, we're looking at what can we pick from all of the viewpoints that could create a whole new beautiful um, way of being or a new life or a new pathway forward. So when we're looking at the potential high side then of this week, it is how can we start releasing ourselves from that hierarchical thinking um, or that hierarchical way of being and turn it into the synarchy, right? The synarchy. I love that word. The syn, S-Y-N, together, uh, archy, together um, structure or form, right? So thinking about that makes me just giddy. And actually, a lot of people that are around my age, so if you were born around 1961, you have that as part of your Neptune. 
and Neptune in the 44 is about a spiritual job of bringing to out this, this more collaborative energy, right? So it, it works. Um, so we see it. So maybe, you know, some of us are going to connect with that really easily and we get that. Others of you are going to go, but how does a corporation work if we don't have a boss, right? That's the thinking that's going to get you caught into stinking thinking, right? You got to release that one and look at more like, well, what would happen if um, we listen to everybody's voice and we we took a bigger, wider view of what's going on in the corporation or what's going on in this um, organization kind of thing. Uh, okay, together as one. Exactly, Kathleen, I love that. Um, <laughs> Tom, synarchy is not snarky. I love that. Gail Grinigan, Valley, good to see you. Thank you, Janet. I've been missing this and your beautiful smile jumping on late. It's great to have you. We love seeing you out there. And by the way, for those of you who might be new, please, or you're, if you're on YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button if you're enjoying the video. Maybe share it with your friends or your networks on your uh, social media. But also, if you have not yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button. We're closing in on 800. Eek! We're getting there. We're getting there, right? Um, all right. Pam Zaruba, MP51, Synarchy. Makes tons of sense. Thank you. Uh, very good. Gail says, I was born in 1964 and I love unity. It's like synchronized love. It is synchronized love. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Kelly Tanner, good morning. Yes, thank you for bringing that up, working towards a solution. Yeah, and I think in our, you know, our world, we've gotten very problem-oriented instead of solutions-oriented. If you are concentrating or focusing on the problem rather than the solution, you're adding to the problem, right? You're not really looking for the solution. And so everything that... Uh, that might open up into something new might be hidden from you, shaded from view. So instead, be solutions oriented. And a, one way of being a, a solutions oriented person is to look at all the viewpoints, right? Look at everybody's viewpoint, because nobody's wrong, right? Nobody is wrong out there. You might not like the way they think, you might not like what they say, you may not like the way that they live their lives, but they're not wrong, right? So if we could look at and, and look at that and see, okay, so they're living out the high side of their individuality, maybe. I don't know what that means exactly, but it would feed into seeing the bigger picture, right? To loving everyone and more of that unity consciousness. By the way, unity is not sameness. I, I get that a lot of times from people. When I start talking about oneness or unity, I end up getting a lot of people that are worried that that means sameness or that a loss of individuality. And it isn't that at all. When you look through a kaleidoscope, right, you're looking at oneness, but you're seeing it in all of its beautiful fragments and all of its beautiful different shapes and colors. That's what we're talking about with unity, right? We have, or oneness, right? But we're seeing all of the beauty of the tapestry in there. All of the little pieces come together in a beautiful oneness. Susie Gemini, I keep trying to join the Facebook group. I agree to the rules and it's pending. That might be my bad. I, yeah, yeah, because I, I was so used to having Asa do all of that for me, that taking back some of the tasks that I had given to her. Uh, so my bad, I'm sorry. I'll go look at that for you today, Susie, and let you in. And Kathleen Epiphany, I love it. You spelled it almost correct. You just needed another P. Opinions aren't working, right? Opinions. Now, 
opinions in and of themselves aren't wrong, right? Your opinion is yours, right? But opinions have an issue, and that is it fails to see that other people's opinions might be correct too, or are at least acceptable, or are at least their own to grow. So, um, yeah, the community group does have rules, JLo. <laughs> Um, the reason you don't know that is because I knew you would be one of those that would uh, obey the rules. So I just put you in. I didn't make you have to, to join it in a different way. But after I got the original people in, I didn't know who might be wanting to join. So then the rules came in handy, which are basically just love one another, you know, that, 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 that kind of stuff. Uh, Tom, JLo, can we make the group of FaceTrack private? I don't know what you're talking about there. That's you guys. Okay. Now let's quickly, before um, I totally forget that there are other things going on in November and uh, it's something that we can look at down the line. So we talked about the new moon coming this week. We also have Mercury and Venus changing signs, Venus moving into Capricorn for a very long time because of a retrograde that's coming up. We will look at that deeper, but we also have a very interesting lunar eclipse this month coming with the full moon on the 19th of November. So eclipses come in series and uh, the, the series that we've been in have been across Gemini and Sagittarius. This tells you something because the nodes are also across Gemini and Sagittarius. So our eclipses are pretty much... Um, because of the node's presence in the sign, right? So that there's a relationship between the moon and uh, sun eclipsing or the moon, sun, moon, uh, lunar eclipsing and the placement of the nodes. Well, the nodes are getting ready to shift. They will shift out of, of uh, Gemini and Sagittarius and shift because they're retrograding always. They're going to shift backwards into Taurus and Scorpio in January. So this first lunar eclipse of a new series occurs on the 19th in Taurus. And it will happen at about 28 degrees of Taurus. So I think this degree is fascinating because it sits where the Pleiadian system sits. So the Pleiadian star cluster sits at about 27 to 29 degrees of Taurus. So we have a connection with this lunar eclipse and the Pleiades. And I'm learning way more about all of the star clusters and fixed stars and all of that. Um, getting ready to bring out that information to all of you and start to weave those stories into the human design astrology story we already have. So I was fascinated by this when it first came up last year, when we did the astrology of 2021, we looked at this, right? We looked at this change and here it is, it's upon us. We're changing, right? The eclipses will start to move across Taurus and Scorpio. So look to that, um, uh, um, those, that so those signs, the opposition of those two signs in your chart, the axis, gosh, I couldn't think of the word, the axis of those two signs in your chart to see where are the eclipses going to start moving as we move into 2022 and 2023. That's the pattern, right? We'll have another one in Gemini Sagittarius before we're done with them. Uh, but this gives us the little toe tap into the new energy. And uh, this will be specifically in Taurus and give us access then to some of the higher energies that we want to bring in about sustainability, right? About 
our finances, about economy, right? About creating a sustainable economy, about what can we, as we leave the, the focus of earth energies and move to air, what are the lessons that we can take with us about what we've learned about our relationship with the earth, Taurus, right? So we'll be talking more about that as we go on as well. Later in the month, of course, we'll have the sun moving out of Scorpio and into Sagittarius. And then on the 24th, we have Mercury moving into Sagittarius. I love Mercury in Sagittarius because that means he's going to go across the galactic center later in that uh, transit, which means we all get access to new energy, new ideas and inspiration from uh, our star sisters and brothers or from way out there, like new ideas and new things coming in. Then we also have in um, Saturn and Jupiter, a change in the gates that they will be at Saturn moving into a gate of sensitivity, the gate 19. So we're attuning to a higher potential for our expression for maybe the future of what comes next for us as humanity. I think of it as the, uh, morphogenetic fields like what what information lies out there that we can we can just tap into right then jupiter moves into the gate 30 jupiter planet of expansion and growth and evolution into a gate that in human design we call a red flag gate because it has a lot of energy of passion and not that passion is a red flag but our attachment to it happening to our passions playing out in a specific way is the red flag, right? We can sometimes uh, become so we can smother sometimes the idea of how we want something to show up in our lives. So at the end of this month, we're going to get this ability to start focusing on how do I hold that lightly? How do I step back and see all of the steps involved here as pathways to the growth and expansion that I was after, even if it doesn't come exactly as I thought it should right? So all of that good stuff. Uh, all right. So Tom, what's up after the new moon for us in November? I think I just talked about that. <laughs> so you probably typed that before I said that. Yes, uh, Gayla, there is an eclipse in December too. That will be on, I believe it's December 4th, I think it is. And that one will be at five degrees of Sagittarius. So that's an interesting one, too, if you wanted to. It'll be one of the last of the Gemini Sagittarian types. There will be another one after that. Uh, but we are slowly moving, you know, into that Taurus and um, uh, Scorpio part of, of our life path trajectories. Uh, I did talk about the astrology, Tom. I talked about the lunar eclipse going to be across Taurus and Scorpio. And literally that's about it until we get to Mercury moving into Sagittarius. Remember the Sagittarian energy is large. It is about philosophies, freedom, truth. And as he hits across that galactic center, bringing us more info into that. And there we have it, right? Now let's take a quick look at the moon in Libra because uh, I, I started, I moved in a different direction this morning rather than talking about the moon directly as what sign it's in. I talked about it in terms of human design and astrology. Now I want to look at uh, purely from the astrological point of view, what is the moon in Libra going to have us taking a look at? Because remember in human design now, this is going to be going through the 
all of the energies of our shadows, right? The, the fear gates. So what I see often with um, Libran energy is that those fears and those shadows are going to play out in our relationships primarily. So and that's because Libra rules our marriages, our relationships, our partnerships. So it might be playing out in your business partnerships. It might be playing out in your personal relationships, your significant others, but it can also be playing out in other relationships that you have. The need for um, Libran energy, the moon, is a balancing of your emotions, right? Balancing your emotions, finding harmony, finding fairness, the ability to see many different points of view, seeing uh, spherically and not just linearly. There is also beauty and artistry and uh, sort of peace energy in that beauty that we find in Libran uh, energy. Teamwork, co-creation, collaboration, cooperation, my three C's of Libra. Teamwork is also the gift in the gate 44. So we go from that shadow of... Um, uh, gosh darn, the shadow just went out of my head. Oh, hey, I have it right here. The shadow in the gate. Oh, nope, I don't have it. So the shadow in the gate 44, I want to say is, uh, oh, hmm, get the book. Why did my mind go dark? Interference. Oh, yeah interference. I love that. Interference is the low energy. And then teamwork becomes the gift energy. And then we move to synarchy in the highest energy. So interference. So what is interfering is our old energy, right? Our, our, our being stuck in old patterns. So in human design, this gate in traditional human design, this is called the gate of patterns. And the ability of the 44 is to see what patterns are developing in order to be able to predict the future. But unfortunately, if you're carrying a bunch of baggage here, um, then the that baggage becomes interfering with what more is possible in the future. Now, we also have in the moon in, in uh, Libra, the ability for how we work together socially. So the social construct being much more about diplomacy, negotiating, teamwork. We already saw, talked about that. Tactfulness, getting along, creating win-win instead of win-lose, right? Or lose-lose, right? Everybody loses. Um, this would be the highest expression, right? Looking at how we can come together. The low end of the emotional moon moving through Libra might be about how we lose our self-identity, how do we give ourselves away? How do we how do we lose ourselves by trying to make others happy instead of making ourselves happy, which then by definition makes others happy, right? Making ourselves happy is an energy that rolls out of us that allows the other person to do what makes them happy. So instead, though, we are often making others happy at the expense of ourselves. That is the lower energy here. Indecision is also one of the lower energies for Libra. The body, uh, as it relates to Libra and energy, is the adrenals. So they sit on top of the kidneys, which are also ruled by Libra. And uh, diseases like diabetes are also a part of Libra and experience. I would love to explore that someday further, how diabetic conditions or the conditions of stress, the adrenals, cortisol, and all of those kinds of stress hormones, how they are um, 
uh, how they play out in the spleen and how they play into uh, stress in our lives and um, the fears that we have about not being good enough or doing enough, etc. All right. So that's a lot. We have, um, yes, stopped note-taking, Kathleen. That's good because, you know, you can always take notes later if you need to. In the meantime, let's pull a quick card. Um, I know it's uh, closing in on 9 a.m., but I like to always have a card for us to, I gotta find my animals. Oh, no. We're not, we're not doing an animal. We're doing two cards a galactic heritage card because i'm fascinated with that can't get enough of the galactic heritage thing now and a dragon a dragon so let's see oh hey i've been wondering where you were and binksy just came in said good morning i don't know why she was outside this morning because it was so blasted cold all right so we have orion light the future of emptiness that'll be an interesting card to see what that's about and then i'm going to go ahead and draw the dragon card at the same time and then we can read what these cards mean so these are our cards that are going to get us through the week and by the way while i'm doing this um this week on wednesday if you want to hear more specific things about november i will be a guest on angel heart radio with annette mccoy and that will be on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific. They've changed their time. So I will be at 4 p.m., not 5 p.m. So during the summer months, I'm at 5, the winterish times. Uh, right now, 4 o'clock. Next month, it'll be 3 o'clock. Um, and we have, ooh, an Archangel Gabrielle dragon be- brings purification. Look at that dragon. Gosh, gorgeous. Okay, let's see what these cards mean. We're going to deal with emptiness first and emptiness is card 108 if you add that up that's a nine so emptiness coming from endings maybe or revelations let's see 108 is that the last card of the deck it is it's the last card of the deck so emptiness imagine taking off in a plane at first it is bumpy and the scenery is filled with many distracting things this represents the mind As you take off and fly through the clouds, it is like passing through the emotions. Sometimes there's bumpiness in the clouds. Eventually, you rise above the clouds and there is nothing but endless, empty sky. This is your true state of consciousness, an endless, empty field of awareness that contains nothing. There are no opinions or desires, only light. The Orion light within you, the sky, has always existed and always will. When you recognize this, you awaken. Here's the commentary. The last four cards of the deck access the energy called the Orion light. They reference the complete healing and integration of not only the polarity within the Orion system that has affected us all, but the polarity that played out within the holographic matrix of creation. This last card of the deck represents the end point of our journey from unity to polarity to reintegration. The theme of this card, emptiness, refers to a state of complete integration and balance when polarity ceases and the consciousness of the one is at rest, but ever abiding, both completely full and empty simultaneously. Talk about a conundrum. This card captures the energy of paradox described in card 98 and is actually our true nature. Adept meditators and yogis have experienced this state as various forms of samadhi. 
But the paradox is that as soon as we try to describe it, its true essence becomes distorted. It can only be experienced. So why did this card come up in your spread? Again, it depends on your life circumstances and the other cards in your reading. Most likely it is because somehow you need a reminder of where you are going, eventually back to the source, and a reminder about your true nature, empty, full, devoid of polarity. This card is meant as an encouragement for your spiritual journey and an embrace given to you by the source itself. Surrender to the embrace, become nothing, and you will find that it has nothingness. The loving fullness of creation will be all that exists. Wow. Emptiness. Sounds like a cool card. Now let's look at the Archangel Gabriel's dragon that brings purification. And let's see, Archangel Gabriel's dragon, page 48. And I'm going to show you this dragon again because it's so beautiful. Maybe it's because of that beautiful purpley blue indigo colored background. You just see how white that dragon is, right? Beautiful. So Archangel Gabriel's dragon brings purification. Self-discipline will speed ascension and bring joy. You can carry Archangel Gabriel's diamond. Fifth dimensional diamond white dragons serve Archangel Gabriel. It might be Gabriel. I'm not sure. Gabriel, Gabriel, the mighty pure white angel of clarity, joy, and hope. When we are ready to connect more deeply to him, his dragons shine their crystal light into our energy fields and our physical body, allowing deep cleansing and purification to take place. They light up our true essence and we become transparent to the spiritual world. This means that all the lower energies that have not been released from our auric field become visible. So it is important to forgive, love, and respect ourselves and others so that our aura becomes totally clear. Then the dragons will rejoice, for we are ready to walk the diamond ascension path. They will lead the way, clearing and energizing our sparkling new high-frequency journey and bringing us clarity, hope, and joy so that Archangel Gabriel with his diamond wings can overlight us. Here's the guidance from the card. Receiving this card implies you are expected to cooperate with Archangel Gabriel's diamond white dragons using self-examination and self-discipline to accelerate your ascension. This sounds decidedly like Venus spending an extra allotted amount of time in Capricorn, doesn't it? The dragon can then illuminate you internally with happiness, clarity, and higher expectation. You will become a shining beacon and will automatically radiate light that shows others the way. You will have earned the right to be a walking master. You will carry in your fields the glorious light of Archangel Gabriel's cosmic diamond, which is a life-transforming ascension tool. The diamond white dragons will swirl and dance around you, ensuring that the glittering, shimmering cosmic diamond stays securely in place over your energy fields. It will protect your aura and fill you with joy, purity, and bliss. The white dragon and emptiness. Being filled with white light or clarity. clarity. Love it. All right, guys, that is it for me today. Uh, I can, I'll hopefully see you all on Wednesday at uh, Angel Heart Radio. By the way, the way to connect to that broadcast is to connect on the Facebook page for Angel Heart Radio. And it broadcasts live to that Facebook page. And then Annette can see all of you out there in the chat and we can have a conversation just like we do here in the morning. And on Friday, I will see you guys. So take care. Have a wonderful week. Happy early November. Bye for now.